I would defend to the death his right to do everything he does. The thing that I, that I find unusual, and it's, you know, it's not a criticism so much, but his targets are underdogs. And comedy traditionally has picked on people in power, people who abuse their power. Uh, women and gays and immigrants are kind of, to my way of thinking, underdogs. And, um, you know, he ought to be careful because he's Jewish. And a lot of the people who want to pick on these kind of groups, the Jews are on that list a little further. You got women, gays, gypsies, blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly you find Jews. And, and Andrew, suddenly Andrew's arrested. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, obviously he should do what he wants. And uh, why does he get away with it, do you think, then? Well, because we have never laughed at jokes about the Well, he's war. appealing. I think he's appealing largely. I think his core audience are young white males who are threatened by these groups. I think a lot of these guys aren't sure they're manhood because that's a problem when you're going in through adolescence. You know, am I really? Am I? Could I be? I hope I'm not one of them. And the women who assert themselves and are competent are a threat to these men, and so are immigrants in terms of jobs and and uh, and, and the. So, so that's why we, as an audience, then will laugh. I, you say we. I don't think you mean. I mean, I, no, no. But I, I mean, think you're collective that, we. I think that's what what is at the core of that experience that takes place in these arenas, is a certain, uh, a, you know, a, a sharing of of uh, anger and rage at, at these at these targets. And I'm sure Andrew isn't that angry at them. I'm sure he's playing it as a comic. Well, that being said, hey, Tustonians, we're fucking back. We've been gone for a little while because Joe's been on a road trip. Joe, yeah. so just so everybody knows, today we're going to talk about uh, comedy. We've been planning this for a while. It started off from all this sort of controversy around people like Shane Gillis, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr. We'll get to that. But Joe's been on the road. He had an epic road trip, and he's just going to tell us you know, some highlights, and then we're going to get started. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun. I drove from Houston to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and back. Uh, and it was what I talked about on here. So I left last Friday. Last Friday, what day was that? Friday, October 4th. Mm-hmm. And so... My plan really, like, I had everything pretty mapped out, but my plan really hinged on leaving Houston Friday, getting to Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to get to Dallas before the sun went down. Like, I really don't like driving. Like, as I get older, like, I'm really getting old. Like, I don't like driving at night anymore. I hate driving at night. Like, I, I hate it, especially on country roads where I don't know where I'm going. Now, 45 to Dallas isn't too bad to drive at night. So that's why I was like, all right, I'm going to Dallas first. I can do that drive at night, but I don't want to do it like a whole night. I wanted to be gone from Houston before, really before four o'clock. I had an offsite meeting at work. So I'm like, eh, I can skip out a little bit. Well, one of my staff uh, had a baby that day. Oh, <laughs> so that means she couldn't come to work. <laughs> like we knew it was close and she was teetering uh, and we knew it could be any day. I was just hoping she could make it through Sunday for my own selfish reasons. But she had it that day. So that means I had to work to cover her shift. Uh, so uh, I didn't get to leave work until about 630. Like 630. Most of it in the dark. And so, and I'm also leaving from Sugarland. Like I'm not leaving yep. from Central Houston. This is an extra hour on my trip during right. traffic after school. So, nighttime getting to Dallas. But as I'm driving to Dallas, I saw this most beautiful thing. If you've ever, if you've driven along, I saw a cloud miles away in the air with lightning. Oh, nice! Beautiful, beautiful sight. I'm just like, man, that's cool. But I'm also like, oh. Fuck, I'm going to have to drive through a storm. <laughs> yep. So it's pitch black at night, 10 o'clock on Friday. I drove through a hailstorm. Oh, no. <laughs> it was a fucking hailstorm for an hour. So we were going like 20 miles an hour. Everybody Dang. on the road. Dang. It was brutal. And I'm like, this is not a good omen. 
<laughs> this is the beginning of my trip, and everything hinges on me getting to Dallas tonight so I can go to Amarillo tomorrow because I didn't want to go Houston to Amarillo straight shot. I just right, right. didn't want to do that. Get to Dallas, sleep in a shitty hotel, drive to Amarillo. And the Amarillo drive was nice. Amarillo, uh, like I'd never seen a lot of that part of the state. I don't know if you have you ever been to the Panhandle. Fuck no, man. Yeah, it's, I assume I'm not allowed up there. It's uh, well, I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> it's it's empty. Like the road there had nothing, but it's also kind of beautiful because you'll see like some plateaus in the background. Like you really get to see how different a lot of Texas is. Right. Uh, so it was nice to get to see that, but it's nothing. Like it's a lot of empty roads, and when like late when you're getting close to it, you'll pass through a lot of those really small towns, but you can tell they're dying. Uh, just these old places. If you've ever driven through like Bastrop or any of the roads you take to to get to Austin Elgin, like all those are Mainer, like all those really old towns. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of that. It's a lot of dying America you're driving through, but it's also like 40 fucking miles per hour when I've been doing 85 for the last Ooh. you know 45 minutes. So I really tacked on a lot of time, but I get to Amarillo and end up staying at a uh, Airbnb there. It's not a huge town, but you can definitely, it feels like a Houston suburb. Like the whole town feels like a Houston suburb. Like think of Cyprus. Hmm. So a lot of strip malls, a lot of like, here's some casual eating affair. There's a Red Lobster. There's a Hooters, you know, very much like Houston suburbs. Uh, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot like that. It's a lot. It feels like a town on the outskirts of a bigger town, except there's no bigger town around really. Uh, so I'm there and it's not, it's game one of the Astros playoffs. So I'm like, I gotta watch the game. Don't really want to go to a, like just a dive bar in this town because I'm in fucking the panhandle and I'm not a white person. Right. So I'm like, all right, what's a safe casual? I go to Hooters. Okay. Sit at the bar, ready to watch the Astros. Decent amount of Astros fans. Right in front of me, guy with a mullet and a Trump shirt. Yeah. Like directly in front of me. And he, we make eye contact briefly. I'm like, fuck, I could never make eye contact with this guy again because <laughs> I am not trying to get hate crime night two of my trip. <laughs> really night one because this is really the first real destination was Amarillo. So watch the game. I'm the only person really paying attention to it. There was a Triple G fight on, and that's really what most people were watching that night. And he thankfully gets way too drunk to fuck with me and leaves early. Nice. So nothing happened. I made it home, slept, left early to get to Trinidad. So then I went to Trinidad, Colorado. And I only went to Trinidad, Colorado for one reason, that's legal drugs. <laughs> <laughs> only reason. And Trinidad, Colorado pretty much only exists for people to go buy legal drugs and take them out of state. <laughs> See? Look at that. We starting new communities. <laughs> yeah. It legit like it's like the weather was beautiful. It's clear. It's in the mountains. It's off the Santa Fe Trail. It's beautiful to drive into. It's a beautiful town. All the weed stores are on a block. Like all of them. It's Green Solution, some 420 this, something this, something this. They're all just in a row, bundled together. Drive in off the freeway, get your shit, drive out. No one will fuck with you. Woo! And that's pretty much It's It's wonderful. Thank you for your money. <laughs> yeah, thank you for your money. We'll see you later. So I'm trying to find a place to watch the Texans game, but their sports bar doesn't open until 4 p.m. on a Sunday. It doesn't open until 4 p.m. 
on a Sunday. So I'm fucking mm. just struggling to try to watch the Texans on my phone. That didn't uh, work out well. It sucked. But I mean, it's fine. We won. That's what mattered. And then that night, I uh, camped on this woman's lovely property, which was about 15 minutes uh, or 15, yeah, about 15 miles, 15 minutes outside of Trinidad. All right. And it was wonderful. I know you like love I, camping. Yeah, I love camping. I got to grill. I was grilling outside. I made myself a little fire, chilled outside, fucking didn't have contact like with anything. I had no phone. Uh, I, like my phone didn't work. My like, so I couldn't stream the football game that was happening that night. Like I couldn't really do anything, so I just got fucking drunk and and uh, lost myself a little bit. <laughs> it was fun. All it was right. fun staring at the stars until I passed out, and then uh, you could hear the coyotes. Ah, like you could hear them like rrr, 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 like all night. You could just hear the coyotes, and so I hear something near my tent at night. So I get up, I get out. It's a fucking feral cat, just a feral cat. I'm not worried about a feral cat, except feral cats attract things that will kill it, like coyotes. <laughs> so I'm just like, get the fuck out of here. I'm throwing shit, just making sure it stays out. I stay out for a little while. Flash You're somebody's shit. lunch, man. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, like, I'm just like, no, man, you ain't, you ain't getting fucking, nobody's coming over here. I make it through the night like it's fine. And then I finally make my way to Santa Fe, which was my destination. And I'm going, of course, to see Animal Collective. Whoop. And... They played at this venue called Meow Wolf. Have you ever heard of it? No, it's a great name for something. Check it out. Like, look it up. It's so I just knew the show was at this place that's cool. It sold out really quick because it was like less than 200 tickets available. Oh, nice. And so this is like a small bar? No, it's a fun house. What? Yeah, it's in a like, how can I explain it? So you go in, it's like super like the, the, picture on the outside it looks super uh, adventure time like it even looks like the waving like the waving snail they have yeah. like their version of it it's not exact because you know copyright and shit but it's very much invoking that and then meow wolf actually looks like wolfgang so it's got like tyler influence adult swim influence cartoon okay. network like it's like they're opening one in vegas like that's how popular this has gotten but the original one is in santa fe it's called meow wolf so you go in there's like a little it's like a museum. You go in, you pay to see the exhibit. Okay. Uh, so my ticket. So I went early. I was gonna try to see the exhibit. It's thirty bucks for people out of state. But with my ticket to the show, it's open for the first two hours of the show. So really, I think it's one of the best places in the country. You can go to see a concert because you get okay. to go see the exhibit and a show in a what, venue. What is the exhibit? Is like an art installation? It's a fun house. I don't know what that means, but um, I I don't know what yeah. the picture. You walk, you open, you go into the exhibit, and you see a house indoors, like a literal house. Okay. Like think of like think of your house. It looks a lot like your house. Okay. It's a two-story home inside this place. Okay. And so you go in, it's normal okay. living room, normal bedrooms. Uh -huh. Then the weird shit starts happening. So <laughs> when you open the fridge, it's a white tunnel leading somewhere you don't know. And it gets smaller and smaller and smaller as you go through it. Ooh. Sort of like Willy Wonka style. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at this time, I but was. Animal say, Collective really knows their fans. They do. Yeah. I, but see, I'm thinking like they say you can just walk through the exhibit to get to the show. I'm thinking, okay, this will be quick. It'll be like a cool museum. I'll see some cool art. No, my mind was fucking blown. There are tunnels where it's spinning rooms. There, are, you go inside one thing. There's a giant uh, mammoth skull that's glowing. Huh. 
blue and then you can walk through its skeleton uh it's 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 surreal all the shit you can do you go in the restroom the toilet's kind of leaned against the wall and it's weird it was cool okay it's cool like i recommend anyone go to this like don't even need to go to a show but it's better if you have a show you'd like to see there because the show is just in a venue but the venue itself like there's attics around it so there's a balcony you can sit in the attics and watch the show and then the venue itself is so small you can be at the very back of the house and be less than 100 yards away from the or not even 100 100 feet like nice. it's so close like i could like i there was never a bad view i could see all of them the whole time nice. uh, and the sound was pretty decent like nice. it was it was great like it was an awesome thing i'm glad uh, I'm glad that my ex picked that show because that was not my pick. But I never would have got to experience it otherwise. Like that was fucking fun. Like I had a good wow. time. Yeah, I had a good time. Yeah, and then I drove back. And so the way I took back was I drove um, Santa Fe to El Paso, which is only about five hour drive. Hung out with the Corrals for a night. Got to see all of them. Man, who did you see? I saw Chop, Sandy, Carlos, and Lada. Dang, you saw everybody. I saw everybody, and I met Chop's kids. Um, and, yeah, and then uh, I drove to Austin. Uh-huh. From there, in one day, I did the full nine and a half hours, El Paso to Austin. Yep. Uh, woke up pretty it. early. Yeah, it's it's rough. I'd yeah. never done it by myself. Oh, uh, that's something. That's the worst. Came on back, uh, went to ACL in Austin. That was my return trip, so I went to ACL for one night. I saw them. I went Friday. I saw Kay Trinata, Jenny Lewis, uh-huh. oh, cool. and Tame Impala. Dang. Yeah. yeah, that was and and uh, there was like a rainstorm the night before or that night before I got to Austin, so it was forty degrees for oh, AC. Nice. It was cold. Like I wore a jacket. I, I'm like I was already like dreading having to fucking sweat my ass off outside in Austin all day, but. The fucking rain came in and made it cold, and it was nice. It wasn't bad. That's uh, nice. And then uh, I didn't see Guns N' Roses because I was tired of shit, and I just left. Uh, I saw everything I needed to see, and then I came back home that Saturday, and the Astros won. Nice. <laughs> or they won Sunday. They lost Saturday. That was rough. But they won Sunday, so. Yeah, right on. Okay. Yeah, so that was my trip, man. Well, welcome back. It was fun. I had a good time. I drove 2,200 miles. I woke up in a different city pretty much every day for a week, and it was quite nice. Dude, that's the best. That's the <laughs> life. I want to do. I'm I'm so itching for a road trip. I want to yeah. do it with you, but as you know, it didn't work out because of work. Yeah. And I'm I'm so effing jealous. It was fun. It was fun. Next, like we just gotta find a show. Shit, I would go. I would do it again to see another show at me. I will find enjoyed that venue so much. Dude, like, uh, that's what I or find something and fucking let's road trip, man. I I had a blast. All right, all right. Yeah. It's in the works. It's in the works now. Yeah. Officially. All right. So we I called this meeting to order <laughs> because <laughs> I want to talk about how hard it is to be funny in cancel culture or woke culture, whatever we're calling it. Um. So anyway. We inspired the today's conversation, and we can go in whatever order. I have a bunch of clips. I'm gonna uh, okay. send you. I don't that. have any clips, or I'm mean, I got I a, maybe one. Man. I don't have any clips. I got a ton. So we're gonna mixtape this like last time, and we can use some of these as sort of breaks, as sort of ways to have conversations. I have a bunch of different ones, okay. and a bunch of different topics. I got like six different pieces, and 
And so the reason where uh, I want to talk about this is because, for those of you who didn't hear last month, Shane Gillis, who was one of the three new comedians hired by SNL, got fired because uh, a, a year prior he had appeared on a podcast in which he's using uh, racial slurs uh, to talk about Chinese candidate Andrew Yang. You know which one it is. is the most obvious one. Um and calling him like uh, like a like a I, I guess I'll say the phrase I'm quoting here because it's so random it is kind of random, Jew a chink because he's good with money and he's Chinese but he's Jewish so there's some model minority myth shit there happening to it. So anyway, SNL finds out and they're like, oh shit, you said that, and um, they fired him, and then there was a big uproar. In the midst of this, Dave Chappelle put out a special where he has jokes about transphobia and is called, and rightfully so, transphobic. I would just say that it's also aware of his transphobia. But it's it's transphobic. He's he's scared of transness. And then Bill Burr comes out with a special where he's just bitching about all hell because it's Bill Burr. And so now we have this conversation where people can't be funny because of woke culture. So that's where we're starting. That's basically it, right? I mean, that's, yeah, that's it. So where do you want to jump in at all that? I mean, I don't know. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty vocal on my Twitter feed, believing that cancel culture is just something made up. Like it's not, it's not a real thing. No one's actually right. getting canceled. It's it's actual bullshit. It's really just, yeah. uh, it's just a tool for people who don't like an audience's reaction to deflect that. Yeah, yeah. It's not. No, it's not a real thing. Never even intended as it was always figurative. It was always yeah. just a fu, right? Yeah. No one's ever actually gotten canceled. No. So no I, I'll, let, me, let me start with the Shane Gillis thing. Let me start with the Shane Gillis thing. And then I want to talk about the reaction to Shane Gillis, which I find much more interesting than Shane Gillis. Shane Gillis <laughs> called somebody racial slurs on the air and recorded it and sent it out into the world. People were acting like, oh, now anything you say in your past can be used against you. Your past, it was last year. Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. uploaded it to YouTube. You shared it with us. It wasn't like some yeah. hot mic moment. Oh, no. He also deleted it, but somebody had it saved. So he clearly knew it was wrong. Yeah. He, yeah, he knew <laughs> he better. He clearly knew. Oh, this isn't good. And here's the thing. Okay, so anyway, so they fired it. First of all, SNL, man, Google your people. <laughs> because, like, the dude who broke this, he said, like, man, it took me like an hour to find that. Like he said, it wasn't hard. I was just yeah. doing like he he's he is on the SNL beat for the Hollywood Reporter. He's like, oh shit, this dude said some crazy racist things. Nobody yeah. noticed this, and SNL acted like they didn't know. They probably didn't look. I don't know who knows. Although sidebar, been watching SNL this year because it's like all new cast and like except for like two holdovers and yeah. and are mostly new cast and and a whole bunch of new writers. The first two episodes were actually pretty good. The third episode was not. Okay. The, the sec, but the first two actually got some real good bits. They're actually like making jokes about race that are like not insipid, but also like funny. Like they found a way to do it that's like not too—I won't say aggressive. It's certainly not subversive, but it's funny without being yeah. insipid. Mm. I haven't watched it's, any of this season. The first I've, two seasons are pretty good. Last episode, last season was so bad. I was like, I think I might be done. I haven't watched it in yeah. fucking forever. I haven't yeah. watched it fucking forever. My wife wanted to watch it, and I watched it with her, but it no. wasn't bad. So anyway, so so Shane Gillis, first of all, and then, and then so that's how we got to the controversy of like you can't even tell jokes anymore, man. It's just jokes; we're just making people laugh. I'm like, just calling somebody a slur isn't a joke. No, 
that's not a joke. Like, like, and I don't mean like it's not funny. I mean like it's not a joke. Like, it's not. There's no construction or writing or humor conventions to it. It's but, like a fart. Yeah. <laughs> it's like not even. It's if that's humor, that's the laziest fucking humor. I'm offended as a fan of comedy that you would call that a joke. Like, yeah. if you're sensitive that we're sort of sensitive against these hot button words that you want to use because you think they're funny, say that. But don't act like we're disparaging the craft because you said a bad word. Yeah. Like, fuck you, dude. Like that's there's no humor there. Like no. that's like that's not a joke. Like, unless unless you think racism is inherently funny, that just mentioning any racist word will is funny. Like a fart. Yeah. It's like a fart. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think farts are particularly funny. But I'll say this. I think farts are well funny. Placed, I was going to say, a well-placed fart joke can be really funny. Yeah. A well-placed facial slur, I presume, could be funny. My friends have done them to me. I've, my friends have definitely called me Latin, Latinx racial slurs that made me howl because they nailed the moment, right? Yeah. I also know they're my friends, so they don't mean it, right? There's a little yeah. bit of, like, in-and-out group dynamics here, too. Yeah. But, but just fucking spamming them, you're just cheapening it. Yeah. Nobody, you know what nobody likes? 20 fart jokes. Yeah. But you do like 21 because it comes back around, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, uh. That's that family guy bullshit. I never fell for that. It's the laziest fucking shit. Yeah, but I mean, racism gets easy laughs. Sure, because I would, yeah, it gets easy laughs for, because of biases, but also because it, Comedy is supposed to touch those hot button issues and make you laugh at it. Like the this idea that you can't talk about stuff, I don't even think that's true in practice, and I don't think that's the deflection. You can't say anything anymore. Like no, and I think I have queued up some ways to talk about things that are like no, see, they're doing it. Yeah. Like you just here's the thing: when I see Norm Macdonald fucking bitching about like oh, we can't say anything anymore. When I see Bill Burr, who sidebar, do you like Bill Burr? Because I've never heard Bill Burr tell a joke. I do. I like Bill Burr. But that's mostly because I look at clips of YouTube where they edit his his rants with a video. Like, that's my favorite version of Bill Burr is when he's just ranting on his podcast and somebody edits a video. That was actually on my list was the Alan Payne Bill Burr video. <laughs> right, hey, man, maybe you can convince me because I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I'll reveal yeah. the bias here. I don't think Bill Burr's funny. Yeah, we've had I this discussion before. I think he's just store brand Louis C.K. And not even like a particularly good one. Like they didn't even give him his own cardboard box. He's like in a Ziploc bag, like near the floor, you know, like that kind of store brand. Mm. Like he's, that's what I've always thought. Like, yeah. I know I'm in the minority. You're making that yeah. face. Like that's not true. I'm like, I get, I stand alone here. Yeah. So yeah. there's a little bit of like, ha ha, ha ha, I get to tear down somebody who, I never thought we should like in the first place. Mostly, oh, I um, mean, Bill Burr is seven. fine. Bill Burr is like he's not being canceled. None of these guys are being. No, like, no, Bill Burr none is of these fine. guys. No, no there's but no here's like. The thing. But it, here's what it is: it's just a bunch of fucking white dudes who used to use the platform of comedy as a sort of another way to fucking talk at us and let let us answer back. And now social media has let us answer back, like immediately. Like, nah, we don't like that shit. That's not funny. And they're not used to that. That's never happened. I, well, you know what? I actually think, so I think it's specific to the people you listed. So you think about Jerry Seinfeld, Norm MacDonald, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, right. um, and who else? Who else is uh, Chris Rock? Okay. All these guys who have complained about it's tougher to do colleges now. 
it's tougher to go to this audience. You know what they all have in common? They're old. fucking 50 years old. Yeah. It's you don't like I bet you can look back 20 years ago and there are old comedians saying the audience just doesn't get this anymore. Or they they the pro, their complaint is that they're not getting the response that they're used to get from audiences. That's a good Though the point. big difference could be these kids you're you can't play at college because these kids are 30 years younger than you. Right. You know, That's like they they fair. don't know the world. You they don't know the world. And these people have also been rich for decades. That's true. It's, Good point. It's tough. It's tough to really connect with an audience when you have nothing in common with that audience. Who do they have in common with? People who complain that they can't say or do things that are bad anymore. Who is that? <laughs> this rich old guys. <laughs> that's who they have. That's who they share it's, things in common with now. What's super funny too is that everyone you just mentioned also marketed themselves early as people who broke the rules. Yes. Yeah, they broke the rules, so now people are doing things differently. Like they right. open a door for a different kind of comedy. Comedy's different now. Yeah. You, I mean, you're the we're, you're always the last person to know you're out of touch. Well, the only thing is these people have a platform. Two two things. Two things. They think that's a great point. I think that sort of. I think it actually synthesizes ah, with my point actually pretty easily because that same cultural difference is also so much more vocal and can gather like it never has because mm -hmm. of social media uh, and because of the ability to sort of just respond. Uh, Tina Fey is on this list too. She she was making this rant like five years ago about like, oh, yeah. it's too hard to make comedy. So there's, there's sort of that cultural code is changing is, is for certain. I still think that there's something about the very sort of like unidirectional nature of comedy, right? That you, the audience listens, the comedian speaks. And I think that there's not, as, a, as an industry, it's not used to dealing with immediate feedback the mm -hmm. way it can happen now. I mean, no, I think it is. I think a stand-up comic gets immediate feedback the moment they say something. I think now what is different is that people who aren't there get to comment. Right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, not, exactly. just, it's not just the people who are in the audience. Everyone gets to say something about this now. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And yeah, so the power balance of the audience to the artist has shifted back mm -hmm. in our direction. And hey, man, yeah. that's just how it goes sometimes. That's how, and that's how it should be. <laughs> and here's the thing: where I sort of evoked sort of the straight white dude model of comics, yeah. Com comedy has was long dominated by straight white dudes, and oh, that's yeah. a sort of demographic that's not really used to clap back ever yeah. in its history. Mm -hmm. So they're this is the first time and we're sort of having to deal with it. We're sort of in real time watching all the different reactions. It's actually mm -hmm. like, from a coldly anthropological point of view, kind of interesting. You could argue that's true about men generally. In fact, I actually think that it's, is men, true men generally. Yeah. With that being said, I also think that in terms of, uh, you said things are changing. One thing I think hasn't changed, in fact, has been clarified and it's because it's getting passed around. And just so you know, I'm going to open the show with this clip. So, we're like 30 minutes in, so hopefully people will remember it. This is going to be a, the, the, this clip. I'm going to open it. Okay. But people are claiming like George Carlin was all about breaking the rules of language and like this. The, it, there's been this incel love for fucking George Carlin. I'm here to, of course, correct that shit because he would have fucking hated y'all. Yeah. And there's a manifesto, and I saw somebody share this clip, and I was like, yes, somebody found it for me of him talking to, um, talk about way back when mm -hmm. talking Larry to King, right? Larry King. And he's yeah. talking about Andrew Dice Clay mm -hmm. and how like, aren't you both edgy? Basically, aren't you both operating on the fringes and showing the hypocrisy to center? He's like, Hey, look, 
that guy likes to punch down. Like that's the one rule of comedy you don't break. You don't punch down because you're just a bully. You punch up. And all these dudes like Bill Burr, like Shane Gillis, like I, even Norm Macdonald were punching down or we sort mm-hmm. of let them punch down forever. There is this sort of like, but this was always okay. But then there's like, yeah, but now it's not. So fucking this is, isn't, or you can do it. Obviously you're not going to get canceled, but we're going to clap back. You can do it. You can tell racially yeah. challenging stuff. Did you watch Sunny this week? No, I'm saving it up. I'm letting it okay. stop. Okay, it's not a great episode, but they do brown face in it. They do Asian face. <laughs> they do like they pull it off because like they can pull it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because... in fact, if you want to see, in fact, that's such a great reference. Because if you want to see white people talk about race, well, always Sunny, man. They're on point. Yeah, they really They're are. on point. They really yeah. are. Anyways, so uh, okay, so anyway, so I got some clips then. Yes, play a clip. Let's do it. All right, so I'm gonna play. So none of my clips go. Most of my clips are from 2019. Okay, that's. I mean, that's the year it is. Right. So I don't know how I should build. So should I build thematically? I also got a couple like up and comers who are just not gonna be as strong as say some of the big names on my list. But I, I don't know. How do we? Or do you want to go thematic based on what we, the conversation we just had? Let's go thematic. All right, so I'm going to do two funny things about race. Okay. Uh, one is from 2016, so recent-ish. Okay. You may have known it. It's Bo Burnham's White Privilege song. Oh, yeah. I've seen Straight it. White Male. Yeah. All right, well, let's listen to this. So for those of you who were who saw us play the mixtape, who listened to the mixtape episode, will know that we're going to count down and we're going to play the clip. And me and Joe will try not to talk over it because it's it's a comedy, but we will be laughing and occasionally uh, commenting. All right? You got the clip? You got it loaded? Ready. Three, two, one, play. Walking around, I got no one to talk to. There's everyone, and then there's just me. If I could change, don't you think that I'd do it? God only knows why he cursed me to be a straight white man. I state my problems, other people roll their eyes. Zero khakis in my side I've never been the victim of a random search for drugs But you can't say my life is easy Until you've walked a mile in my arms
thinks that I've got it easy And just cause it's true It doesn't mean that it's right So pull up a chair Put down your pitchforks Give me a chance To show you what it is like To be a straight white man The church has never made me Feel ashamed of who I am But I can email some quiznos That Gmail doesn't mark as was handwritten by my race. My wife bought me the brand new iPhone with an iPod Touches case. Case is a fit that. Making light of a situation, it's not really, a, it's self-deprecating, but it's not like, I don't know, self-debasing or self yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's funny. And, and I played this one because like every time people say, why can't we talk about race? Because you want to talk about mine. Talk about mm -hmm. yours then. Like, yeah. come on, man. But, like, that's what it always is. Yeah. Every, every yeah. We want to talk every, about everybody's but ours. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it always <laughs> is. Like, you can talk about yours all day. None of us will stop you. In fact, yeah. we encourage it. We really yeah. encourage it. Yeah. 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 And it's like the last great milestone because there's so many new jokes to be made about white people. <laughs> Especially <laughs> yeah. white dudes. <laughs> there's so many hey, jokes out yeah. there. I mean, there's a, there's a reason perhaps that so many of the best comedians are Jewish because Jewish humor is so uh, self, like self, it's so inward, mm -hmm. right? It's so self facing that. Broaden that out to race. Jewish people aren't white. I guess it doesn't really super work. No. Anyway, no. here's the next dude. So this is um, Yadoye Travis. Okay. This came out in January this year. I am not familiar with this person. I just sort of, yeah. I browse uh, the Comedy Central and the Just for Laugh pages pretty regularly for new for new comedy. Yeah. All right. Cool. Here we go. Ready. Two. One. I had the weirdest shit happen to me on the way over here, man. Um, I saw two black dudes walk by, as they do. Um, 
And then, then I heard this white girl say to her friend, she just goes, uh, I think this neighborhood's a little sketch. You know, like as they do. And I was mad because I looked back, it was Key and Peele. <laughs> like, okay, it might be a little sketch to you, but those are two of the best dudes to ever do it. So you shut the yeah. fuck up. <laughs> it's two legends in the sketch game. Get out of here. You said race from misdirection. That's face. funny. <laughs> How do you talk to white people about that kind of stuff? How do you talk to like about white privilege and shit like that? Like, if you don't know what white privilege is, by the way, it's like uh, in X Men. You know when Magneto just walks out over open air and a bridge forms <laughs> under his feet. <laughs> <laughs> That's white privilege. <laughs> You know, when you just go somewhere you've never been and suddenly there's infrastructure? That's, that's white privilege. But, like, how do you explain that to a person? I don't know how to talk to white people anymore. Like, how do you tell Eminem to calm down, you know? I told a white lady the other day uh, why she can't use the N-word. And she cried. Like, into my chest, like we were breaking up. Like... <laughs> And then I wrung that shirt out and used those tears for my spells. But like, what? I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to do that. I feel like you have to talk to people differently and explain things differently. Like, you guys know what code switching is? Y'all know what that is? I know the black people know what it is. But like, do you? But do you guys know what it is? If you don't know, uh, like every '80s black comedian has that one joke. It's like, you got your black voice. <laughs> <laughs> And you got your white voice. You know the one where you sound like a sim? That one? You got to make that joke. I'll give you an example. Like, when I talk to my yeah. black friends, I'll be on the phone and I'll be like, hey man, what are you doing? You know, like it's normal. And then when I talk to my white friends, I'll be like, what have you done? What did you do? I can't believe this to this country. Do you, guys, do you guys catch that? It's subtle, but like... <laughs> do y'all ever feel like Donald Trump's dick is regular size and he's just like that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like we keep giving him a pass, you know what I mean? Like, oh, oh, he's got a little dick, you know how they are. But like, what if it's just regular? <laughs> it's so much scarier to me. I don't know. Man. I feel like white people are out of control, man. I don't know what's going on with y'all. Calling the police on everybody? What are y'all doing? You know, like, this lady called the police on a barbecue and waited two hours for the police to show up. Like, what? Now, I don't know about y'all, but like, how do you wait two hours at a barbecue and not just cut your losses and ask for a plate? How do you do <laughs> How does that happen? I don't understand. I don't know if you guys saw the NFL uh, officially decided to punish players for kneeling during the national anthem. That's the thing that happened. And then on the same day, uh, Tommy Lahren went to a bar and got a little bit of water splashed on her, uh, rightfully so by a justified assailant. And, um, <laughs> and then the president tweeted about the second thing. I don't know if you guys saw that. He tweeted in support of Tommy Lahren because she got a little bit wet, which she already does every time a black person gets shot. So... <laughs> I don't know, man. I, people, I feel like people forget that that whole thing is about the police. The kneeling thing, it's about the police. 
And I personally feel like if the police knew how much anime young black dudes watch, they'd realize there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, I spent my whole childhood watching nothing but Dragon Ball Z. So like, maybe I'll fight a cop. It's gonna take me like 10 episodes to charge up. I will say this. The students of color are always the anime fans. Not exclusively, but like... like oh, I outside. follow... I follow like four black anime podcasts. I don't listen to them, sadly, but I follow them on uh, on Twitter because they're so funny. <laughs> oh, I gotta start following <laughs> they're those. They're funny, yeah. Uh, so, I've, I've, this is, so now I have something emergent here. So like, I think both of those are good examples of like punching down, yeah. right? Not punching down, punching but up, up yeah. punching up. Um, and even the other one is sort of not punching at all, like the White Police song is sort of just about like laughing at themselves for how often they punch down, which I guess is, you know, we'll take it. It's funny. I mean, he still has it good at the end of that song. And he knows it. Yeah. So yeah. that's all we want. Just acknowledge yeah. it's like not yeah. bad to be a white dude, like a straight white dude. Come on, man. It's pretty. Yeah. I'm just a straight dude, and it's fucking sweet. Yeah. Um, in terms of levels of underprivilege I have. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I so and then I want to use that as a segue because my next two comedians are both like questionable because we talk about punching down I think exclusively even think like when we when we when we say what we mean by default I think is race right punching up punching down but we don't think about brown people punching down. So I got two examples here that were sort of like, I'll say controversial. One I discovered was controversial. I didn't realize it was controversial. So we can go to these now, or I can go to one of my other two. I have two randos that are just funny that we can use as palate cleansers. So do we want to go to the sort of self-reflective people of color? We should maybe apply some of these rules to ourselves, or at least have the conversation, or be random New England comic. Close on the random. All right, so we'll close it. I have two yeah. random New England comics. We'll close it. Okay. Yeah, close on the random. Because I try to watch the. I try to keep in touch with the scene here because I okay. like comedy. Yeah. Uh, um. So. Da, 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 da. Okay. So the first one. Uh, let's start at the top. Let's start with uh fucking Dave Chappelle. Okay. Uh, did, you have, did you watch Sticks and Stones? No. And you want to know why I didn't watch it? Why? Because I don't want to have to have an opinion on it. Ah. That is literally the only reason I didn't watch it because everyone has a goddamn opinion about it. And when people ask you, hey man, what do you think about Shave Chappelle? It's way easier to not have an opinion if you don't watch it. <laughs> well, I'll give you my quick two cents. I don't have a strong opinion about it. Yeah. Because it's Dave and I grew up with Dave. So I'm just like, there's a little me that's like kind of being an old head myself. Like, that's Dave, you know? Um, he said questionable I, shit on the last two before this. Yeah. <laughs> Dave complaining about Dave complain. He has two interesting complaints. That's what I, I'll use it for this conversation. One was about us being touchy, but he didn't go on like Twitter or like rant. He made it funny, so he still used his like. Mm -hmm. I thought like if you're gonna clap back, do it on stage. Like that's fine. That yeah. is your space and make it a joke. Like make me laugh at myself. I laughed at what he said about council culture, even though I'm like you're kind of a rich bitch though. Like. Let's, you know, let's relax. I, I paid for my ticket. I'm a stiff, and you're a rich yeah. man. Oh. But, but point taken. Like we have been vocal. I won't agree with the touchy question, but we are vocal, or people yeah. are vocal. I say we being not you, right? Everyone but you. And the other one is like he has this sort of like interesting intersection about race 
and gender about like how people are not comfortable with people are comfortable with saying the n word but not the f word and all these like kind of weird things about it. But the interesting takeaway for me was how race intersects with questions of gender and like homophobia because because he, he they was called transphobic. It's not transphobic, I would say, in the sense that like it's this like ugly skrill, but it is expressing a phobia and it is making jokes of that phobia. So it's necessarily punching down. It is punching down. I don't think it's setting out to destroy. He's pretty open about like I get that I'm old, but that also becomes a disclaimer to allow him to joke about it, and it's totally mm-hmm. transphobic. The one I've shared with you though is ultimately if you track it, he does evolve over the three episodes, and I think he gets closer to the right tone of finding a way to talk about expressing anxiety about transness because he obviously has it he's certainly trans anxious to be sure mm-hmm. phobic is often conflated with like like bigotry and like just deliberate discrimination which i don't think dave would ever do but he is transphobic and it says he's clearly anxious about it and what it says about masculinity like that's super true yeah. so he's definitely phobic in the classic sense of the word but this one, he has this joke about the path to gay rights and how in the car are, are all the, the LGBTQT car. And he sort of does, a, he makes jokes about each one in succession that finds that middle spot where his race allows him to say certain things, his masculine privilege needs him to sort of take it easy and manages to make jokes without punching down. I wanted to get your opinion. I feel like this is an exceptional one, to be sure. Uh-huh. The other ones are not in line. Like, I thought they were... I, I mean, I watched it. I thought the special was funny overall. I admit it. But at the same time, like, I'm a pro-trans rights person. And I'm like, dude, the thing that you say, because I'm black, I've experienced discrimination, is also the reason you shouldn't make these jokes. Because, like, man, you know how it sucks. You know they can't come back. You know you have more cultural strength than they do. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think these jokes are hateful, but I also think what you're doing is uncool. Yeah. Right? This one I thought was all right, though. So, because one... Offered to your consideration. Okay. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I listen to it again. I'm like, this isn't as good as I remember. I only found somebody's animated version of it. So okay. that in mind. All right. So here okay. we go. This is from Dave well, Chappelle. Well, well, I'll just minimize it so I can just hear the jokes then. There you go. I'd rather right. just hear. All right. Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> like I was saying, <laughs> my guess is. The G's are driving that car. That makes sense to me, because there's white men in the G's. And these people are trying to get around uh, discrimination and oppression. And you know how white dudes are. We know these roads. In fact, we built these roads. The rest of you buckle up. We'll get you to where you want to go. So the G's are just driving the car. Of course, next to the G's in the passenger seat is the L's. Everybody likes the L's, except for the G's. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. I just know the G's don't like them that much. And the G's always say like little subliminal digs on them. It's unnecessary shit. It's not mean, but you know what I mean? They just be like, I wouldn't wear that. The only thing that breaks the tension between the L's and the G's are the B's in the back seat. That's right, there you go. Everybody scream out when you hear your letter. 
If it's one thing that the L's and the G's agree on, it's just that the B's are fucking gross. They seem greedy to the L's and the G's, you know what I mean? They're just sitting in the back seat like, yeah, man, I'll fuck anybody in this car. What's going on, man? And sitting next to the bees, all the way in the back seat by themselves, looking out the window. That's the T's. Everybody in the car respects the T's, but everyone also resents the T's. It's not the T's fault, but everyone in the car just feels like the T's are making the trip take longer. Anything the T's say gets on everybody's nerves. And then the T's don't even say anything bad. They should be in the back talking to himself. Hmm, I'm hot. Shut up. Shut the fuck up, okay? Just roll the window down, you bitch. I don't know what you... What? Just said I was hot. Can you pull over at the next exit? I need to use the restroom. There is not a restroom for you for four states, nigga. Will you just shut the fuck up so we can get where we're going? (laughs) (laughs) And just when that car can't get any more tense, the cues are hitchhiking that they pick up on the road. Some white dude in booty shorts is walking down the freeway. Jesus see him. Mm, that guy might be one of us. <laughs> hey, are you okay? You need some help? And he come over there with them booty shorts leaning on the window. <laughs> hey, what's going on, fellas? Lady? Whatever pronoun makes you feel comfortable in the back. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know where I'm going. I don't know if I'm gay or I'm straight or whatever. All I know for sure is that um, I really want to get in this car. All right. So, yeah, yeah. So, I think there's some strengths and some weaknesses. There's definitely some stuff to be critical about. But there's also, I think, some stuff that went right. But I want to hear your reactions. Okay. It's one of the reasons I love Dave Chappelle and one of the ways you know he just can't help himself. Dave Chappelle loves stereotypes. Like yeah. he loves them. He thinks they're hilarious. He loves them. He thinks they're hilarious. Yeah. And so like if if you think about all like when you go back to all the Chappelle show bullshit, the reason he stopped the show was because he thought you were laughing with him at the stereotypes, not at the stereotypes. Right. He thought like racism is so absurd we should be laughing at how absurd it is. Right. Uh, but people were laughing because they were racist. Right. He can't help himself. Because he loves stereotypes, so he yeah. had to. He he found a very insightful way to talk about something, right? Even as an outsider who's not in the the alphabet, as I think he refers to it as the alphabet in the stand-up. Right. Point. I think it sounds like Kalisa, yeah. Something like that, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I've heard it in like ancillary parts enough. 
he he's found this thing that's amazing for a straight comedian to be able to find this like to look at this insightful thing and make a bit from it. Right. But he can't help himself because he has to do a stereotype for Man. each one of them. Yeah. But he also can't help it because the audience is laughing so hard at it. Yeah. Like this isn't the first time he's told the joke. He worked through shows and found the best way to tell this joke. And it had to be littered with terrible stereotypes. Right. Because <laughs> that's what audiences still want. Part, part of it, part, that's such a fucking, you perfectly summed it up. That's, you perfectly <laughs> summed it up. I think that the construction of the joke, and what's funny about it, insightful, is the way the LGBT community, where we see them as this sort of like homogenous, is reminding us there's diversity within it. And not always, and friction, right? It's not this yeah. kumbaya, like, it's not like, you know, I was going to say it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but it is all rainbows. That there's like like and the reminder that like like there's still white privilege there too. There's privilege in that car, right? Mm-hmm. It's not an accident that Buttigieg is just the first gay candidate, right? And you know, and that that sometimes those that constituency can be conservative, right? Lock County Republicans are a thing, right? And and also mapping that those relationships was pretty funny. And then the bi character shows up, and you can tell he doesn't really know any bi people, so he just reloaded on no. his stand time. Yeah. Bi yeah. people must want to have sex with everybody, right? Yeah. Uh, and the Q, same thing, because he also loves a dirty joke, right? So it's, mm-hmm. that one is like everything he wants. It's a stereotype and a dirty joke and a joke about societal structure, right? Yeah. It is in many ways the classic joke of his, right? Yeah. He, oh, can, yeah. Hit, he can hit all those levels in one bit, mm-hmm. but the stereotypes are like, dude, man, like, like, at least there's stereotypes. Okay, here's the thing. You said it perfectly. He begs us to laugh at the stereotypes, right? Yeah. But uh, in order for that construction to work, you have to know the stereotypes well enough to understand how to laugh with them. And he doesn't for two of these, so he's laughing at, even though he thinks he's laughing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. But he, but in the best moments, he's almost there. Like, see, you, you're smart enough. You can figure out where the crack is, right? Yeah. Nobody fucking line stepping. That's lazy man's comedy. That's a young person's game. Real fucking, real fucking comedy is line dancing. That's yeah. like that's the, like that's the real that's the real precision marksmanship. Anyone can just cross the line. Like that's yeah. It's not hard. Like you learn no. how to do that, especially with the internet. You learn how to do that when you're 16. Yeah. That's all you do when you're 16. Right. That's all you do. <laughs> that's the easiest all you thing do. to do. Yeah. It's the easiest thing to do. And when you're a dude, you know you're not going to get in trouble. This behavior is sort of expected and allowed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rite of passage. This is the first time in our history, maybe, at least certainly in the U.S. history, we're like, hey, you know, maybe not. And we're yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, dog used to be cool. That's what's happening with our with men yeah. in our generation, I think. That's that. it, yeah. 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 I get I took, it. Like I'd, I'd be jealous. Like those old dudes got to get away with a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's gonna be that would be a future comedy pod is to look back and be like, all right, who got away with it? Who skated? <laughs> yeah. Who skated? Yeah. Yeah. I bet you, a bunch of people did. But you know what? Uh, I thought Eddie Murphy had a nice moment. He's like, because we talked about in Raw, he'd make mm-hmm. you know say the F word, he'd make hate jokes. He's like, yeah, I was a young man, I didn't know any better, but that shit was wrong, and I take it back. Yeah. Huh? I was like, oh. I mean, and a part of me is like, that doesn't affect me directly, but I was so unexpected, not wait, not expecting that, that I was immediately no. like, oh, I, I forgive you? <laughs> you know, because you seem sincere. I wasn't even uh, mad, because I fucking, I haven't watched Raw in fucking 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I, I, when yeah. I, I saw it when I came out, I didn't really get it. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I was like seven and my English, yeah. like, my grasp on English was tenuous. Yeah. I saw that when I was too young because we had HBO when I was a child. <laughs> so I, I got another one I want to show you. Okay. All right. This one is by, and this one had an interesting sort of attached controversy, but it just hit the most unexpected person. This is an Islamic woman. Oh, yeah, I've seen this. Oh, yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah. Because I'm a sucker for that Daria flat affect. I'm a sucker for it. And Oh, wait, uh, I've seen I've seen the joke she got in trouble for. The extination joke. Yeah. Yeah, about how uh, he got shot going to go pay cash for a car. And that's tragic, but it also made me think, what an amazing commercial that would be for Venmo. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's a great joke. That's a fucking great joke. That's a great joke. <laughs> that's a great joke, yeah. That's a great joke, no. That's a great joke. Yeah. Yeah. You think, and, they're like, and they said, like, they're making fun of his death. Like, no, he's making fun of the fact that he was going to pay for a car in cash. Yes. Which is... Also, not a good person. Triple yeah. extension, like he's yeah. not a good person. Yeah, she's definitely punching up. Yeah, like he was not a good person. He's yeah. not someone that's like, oh, it's a trap. No, like, not yeah. a good person. Yeah. Like, just an awful person. Like, not I a have- death. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's so many specific reasons that's true about him. I imagine how many good people have $50,000 on cash to buy a, a, a expensive car. Yeah. That feels like a bad guy move generally. Yes. Yeah, that's a villainous thing to do. Right, right. And that joke, that joke could have worked with anything. Like she could yeah. put any name in there and just say this person got killed walking with fifty thousand dollars. You know, like that joke still works. He makes it funnier because we, you know, who he is. That's a great yeah. joke. When that yeah. happened, I was pissed. I tried to follow her on Twitter, but of course she had to delete her Twitter. Yeah, uh, she gets getting fucking death threats. Yeah. And you know what? I maybe I'll walk something back. Maybe cancel culture does exist to nobodies because yeah, her career, like. Her career was has been harmed by this. And we're not even talking about Dina Hashem's world where you can make fun of a dead rapper and get rape and death threats on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. And that's less cancel culture and more just like internet awfulness, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Uh, and I also, and let's so, not, I want to like segue a little smoother into this clip so we're not okay. setting her up <laughs> in this context. I she's The joke's uh, not on this, right? No, it's not. They got cut okay. from. They took it down. Okay. But no, but she's. I would have heard her here in her affect because she has that Dari affect. I think is really funny. But uh, I also did not realize that she says this. She self represents on her uh, web page. I looked her up. As she identifies as having been raised Islamic, so having an, an Islamic backgrounded person telling sex jokes. It's fun for me having been raised in a very conservative Christian community and whenever like someone that you think is you have for some reason presume this sort of level of propriety doesn't have it, it adds a little spice to the joke. Really just because of identity politics, but I just find that fun. Yeah. Um, because it sort of adds to the sort of part of what's funny is the unexpected, right? And a lot of that is my own cultural stereotypes. Like obviously people who can be Islamic can tell dirty jokes if I do all the time, right? Yeah. But it disrupts my cultural associations and I think she knows that. And I just find that smart and funny. Okay. All right. Ready? Three, Ready. two, one. I was walking outside just enjoying the weather. Um, and I can't tell if I'm getting uglier or if more men are becoming feminists. <laughs> but it's getting quiet out there. <laughs> I know we're not supposed to like the cat calling, but it could be helpful. Yeah. 
it could be funny. I was outside, and some guy was like, hey, want to go out? I was like, no. He was like, why not? I got a car and a clean dick. <laughs> like, I'm supposed to be like, what? <laughs> a car and a clean dick. Somebody made a deal with the devil. <laughs> um... I just uh, got out of a relationship. Um, my ex had a very particular fetish that became an issue. Uh, he had a fetish for pregnant women. He loved <laughs> pregnant porn. That was his thing. I'm like, I'll get fatter for you if you want, but that's as far as I'll go. And then he said, no, I think it would turn me on to feel a life inside of you. I'm like, I am alive. <laughs> Right here, baby. Um, wasn't enough. Um, so I'm looking for a fetish of my own now. I've been watching some porn, trying to get ideas. Um, and in the process, I realized that the only time that I have, you know, released at the same time as another guy is watching porn, me and the porn star, same time. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, should I email him? I think I'm in love. <laughs> So I went to a sex store to continue my search. I don't know if you've been to a sex store recently, but it's a brave new world of customer service in there. I walked in and this woman was like, do you have any questions about anything? I got nervous, I just picked something up, like what does one do? And with no hesitation, she goes, oh, this one. You're gonna wanna insert that into your pussy face forward. And that way it's gonna hit your G-spot while also bouncing on your clit. I was like, do you want to get out of here? <laughs> no one wearing a name tag has ever talked to me like that before. <laughs> I was confused. I thought it'd be like a fun, sexy date idea to take a guy to a sex store, but you have to make sure you're close enough to somebody before you do that. <laughs> There's nothing more embarrassing than exiting the sex store empty-handed with your partner. <laughs> you just look at each other like, I guess we don't fuck good. <laughs> Or if they're more advanced than you, that's awkward as well. You have to start blaming the prices for why you don't like things. <laughs> He's like, how about these anal beads? I'm like, in this economy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't, uh, I don't like to make jokes about my uh, vagina. Um, just think it's too soon. Um, the things that happen there. Um, I was with a guy once and he was about to go down there, you know, with his face of all things. <laughs> and right before he did, he looked me dead in the eyes and said, I'm not scared of anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> it's not a haunted house. <laughs> Just my body. What does that mean? What did he see down there? <laughs> Lost a hamster when I was 12. Um, who knows, who knows? But um, riding the train is, is pretty good for me. That's pretty good right now. I really enjoy it. Do you like using the train? So many wonderful things happen there. I was on the train and this woman sneezed and this man said, God bless you to her. And she didn't say anything. He said it again, just in case you didn't hear, like, hey, God bless you. Still nothing. He physically tapped her on the shoulder. He was like, hey, God bless you. And she finally begrudgingly was like, okay, thank you. 
And I was trying to understand why she wouldn't just say thank you. But then I started thinking about the phrase, God bless you, and it's kind of a paradox, right? Like, who are we to command God to bless somebody else? And if we could, then we would be gods, and religion would be useless in the first place. So maybe she realized that. <laughs> and didn't want to be complicit in that kind of hubris. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe she's a cunt. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> she's funny. Yeah, she's funny. He's really funny. Oh man! All right, so we have been on this call for a minute. Uh, yeah. let's, let's close with one. Of, let's close with one last one. Because right, right. both of these last ones were long, and I want to keep you all night. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna give you this one. I'm gonna, it's gonna. I'm gonna share it two minutes in. This is a dude I saw Friday night, Saturday night, last night, last night. Okay. At a, at a bar nearby. Uh, shout out Park Girl at Worcester uh, in Worcester. Okay. Uh, so I'm in the comedy attic. Oh, that's the wrong clip. Hold up. Also, her Twitter is back up, and oh. I just followed it. Oh, right on. <laughs> so this dude is called Jimmy Cash, local comedian. Real funny set. So this is like at like an improv thing. This is just like a shitty mic, but like a shitty little cam, but it's good audio. It's like, well, that's shitty, but it's like, like, this is local comedy, right? So uh-huh. I saw him do this bit last night and it killed. The audience isn't great on this clip, but it's uh-huh. like, you can tell it's like 20 people. Are we watching it at the 155 mark? Yep. Uh, okay. Like exactly 155? Because it started playing a little bit. Uh, I said you 154, but 155 is fine. Okay. Alright, I'm back. Okay. Alright, so yeah, Jimmy Cat I just thought this this bit it's you could it's rough, it's raw, you can tell this dude is new. Yeah. But man, I thought this shit was funny. And I watched it again today and I still thought it was funny, even though the crowd isn't great in this clip. Okay. But it's just and the delivery I think I saw was better. This was from June, so he's clearly polished it since yeah. he's done it for me. But I really like it. And I okay. just think this dude is really funny. Jimmy Cash from Worcester. Alright. Three, two one. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a janitor at a public elementary school. I've been doing that for 15 years. Thank you. No, 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 no. I've been doing it for 15 years, and I get a lot of funny reactions when I tell people what I do for a living. The most common reaction I get is somebody will say, Hey, Jimmy, what do you do for a living? I'll go, I'm a janitor. They'll go, Ain't nothing wrong with that. Oh, did I say there was something the fuck wrong with that? (laughs) They expect me to do things that are out of my job description all the time, too. I work at a school that's sandwiched in between two housing projects and some woods, and we've been getting a coyote behind the school. It's like Jumanji meets Boys in the Hood. There's a lot of action going on there. The first I hear this coyote is over my walkie-talkie. I got to carry a walkie-talkie around. The principals and administrators all got them. First I hear of it is, there's a coyote behind the school. Is a janitor out there yet? Uh, did I miss the coyote wrangling seminar? What do you want me to disinfect the fucking thing? Unless it took a shit in the urinal, it's not my problem, right? <laughs> Fuck that. But I'm cool, I'm a team player. I was like, I'll pop my head out there, see what's going on. And I pop my head out behind the school, there's no coyote. I said, if that thing comes back, we gotta call animal control. This is way out of my job description. So, of course, a few days later, the coyote comes back. 
So we call animal control, and a city police officer comes up. He goes, listen, I'll tell you what to do if that coyote comes back. We walk out behind the school. He's like, you got to get yourself a stick. <laughs> I'm like, a stick? He's like, yeah, just wave it around and go nuts and shit. Coyotes are scared of sticks. I'm like, this coyote's walking around the projects in broad daylight. I don't think it's scared of a fucking stick. But he's like, no, trust me on it. Trust me, you know? The principal's like, you cool with that? I'm like, yeah, whatever. So a few days later, of course, I get the call. Stand in the back of the school. The coyote's here. I'm like, hang on. Let me just get my fucking stick. <laughs> so I went out there and I beat the thing to death in front of like 50 fucking kids at recess. <laughs> I said, is this what you wanted from me? It's all right. They thought it was a pinata. I threw some fucking candy on it. Man. I think I should be classified as a first responder. You know? So anytime shit hits the fan or the floor, a little bit of the wall behind the toilet, I'm the first one on the scene, you know? Have you seen a kid get sick in a classroom lately? fucking pandemonium dude. <laughs> everyone goes nuts you know they call me someone got sick in the kindergarten and I leap into action I grab my mop bucket that's like my fire truck <laughs> you hear that rolling down the hall you know some shit's going down get the fuck out of the way say <laughs> goodwill hunting this is outbreak motherfucker <laughs> and as they all come out of the classroom I go in and I stare danger right in the face and I sprinkle some Speedy Dry on it. <laughs> it's a decent gig, except for uh, every day I come closer and closer to eating out of the trash. It's a real problem that I'm facing, you know? So I gotta stand on duty through all the lunch periods of the day. Smell of corn dogs and tater tots will stop fucking with the guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> and every day I watch as the lunch lady takes the leftover corn dogs and tater tots and dumps them into the trash barrel I got next to me. I start to have this debate with myself. Like, dude, what are you thinking about? You can't put your hand in the trash, you know? Like, that's fucked up. Why are you even thinking about that? But the other side of me is like, what is trash? Because I just put a new bag in that barrel. It's practically just a takeout bag right now, right? So I start to devise a plan. Take the barrel and I roll it across, across the cafeteria, Meals on Wheels. I bring over a new barrel, and I'm going to wheel my stash into the boiler room for a little all-you-can-eat buffet later, you know what I mean? And I got the new barrel there, and I'm watching as all the kids dismiss to recess. I'm keeping an eye on my stash on the other side of the calf. I start wiping the tables down, and I look. And one little bastard made his way over to my stash. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? And he's scraping his Tupperware full of yogurt out all over my corn dogs and tater tots. I didn't know if he ruined my day or saved my life. <laughs> But they didn't taste that bad. It's a nice little treat. Uh, I help the younger kids when they come through the lunch line. You know, the, the little kids, the first graders. Uh, I help them pack up their trays and stuff. And uh, this one little kid comes through the line and he says to me, Hey, Mr. Janitor, you married? And I was like, no, why? He goes, you should marry my mother. It's like, it's like oh, that's cute, right? But he's in the school lunch line. His mother doesn't even make him a sandwich. <laughs> I know a red flag when I see one. I'm eating out of the trash, for God's sakes. I'm looking for a come up. All right, you guys have been great. That's my time. That last joke, the make, make a sandwich, the sort of old yeah. sexist joke, kind of like bringing back that, like, uh, 
the Doye brought back the uh, black voice, white voice joke in a new way. Yeah. But setting it up with, I eat out of the trash. Like, I'm a janitor. I can only punch up. Yeah. Kind of like, all right, all right, janitor. Yeah. There's some clever positioning there. There's definitely some sleight of hand to let himself make that joke. Yeah. No, that was. Yeah. That was yeah. good. Uh, his timing was a little off, I think, because of the audience. I yeah. bet with a good audience, that went over super well. That was a good it, bit. It's new. Like, yeah. it is, I bet it's new. I saw him. This was from June 6th. I saw him last night. And it was a better crowd. And <laughs> it was. Um, and he killed it. He yeah. did that whole bit and another bit. Because he had like his 10 minutes. Because it was like three out of five. It was like a local set. Okay. And he was told the show. He beat yeah. the headliner. Like yeah. he had the best set. He had a nice tight guy's, 10 minute set. That guy's like, good. Yeah, he really he might, he might be going places. That guy's like that's quality. And those are good joke constructions. Well, and it's like a different take. Like fucking, how many janitor comedians do we have? Like you know, <laughs> yeah. He probably doesn't want to be known as the janitor comedian, but I'm sure that's like... all he will forever be known as for. All right. All right, man. All right, man. You be well. See you, man. Good night. Peace out. Because you do know, folks, living in this country, you're bound to know that every time you're exposed to advertising, you realize once again that America's leading industry, America's most profitable business, is still the manufacture, packaging, distribution, and marketing of bullshit. High quality, grade A, prime cut, pure American bullshit. And the sad part is, is that most people seem to have been indoctrinated to believe that bullshit only comes from certain places, certain sources, advertising, politics, salesmen, not true. Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Parents are full of shit, teachers are full of shit, clergymen are full of shit, and law enforcement people are full of shit. This entire country, this entire country is completely full of shit and always has been, from the Declaration of Independence to the Constitution to the Star-Spangled Banner, it's still nothing more than one big steaming pile of red, white, and blue all-American bullshit. Because think of how we started. Think of that. This country was founded by a group of slave owners who told us all men are created equal. Oh yeah, all men, except for Indians and niggers and women, right? always like to use that authentic American language. This was a small group of unelected white male land-holding slave owners who also suggested their class be the only one allowed to vote. Now that is what's known as being stunningly and embarrassingly full of shit. And I think, I think Americans really show their ignorance when they say they want their politicians to be honest. What are these fucking cretins talking about? If honesty were suddenly introduced into American life, the whole system would collapse. No one would know what to do. Honesty would fuck this country up. And I think deep down, Americans know that. That's why they elected and re-elected Bill Clinton. That's why. Because because the American people like their bullshit right out front where they can get a good, strong whiff of it. Clinton might be full of shit, but at least he lets you know it. 
Dole tried to hide it, didn't he? Dole kept saying, I'm a plain and honest man. Bullshit. People don't believe that. What did Clinton say? He said, hi, folks, I'm completely full of shit, and how do you like that? And the people said, you know something? At least he's honest. At least he's honest about being completely full of shit. It's just like the business world, same as business. Everybody knows by now, all businessmen are completely full of shit. Just the worst kind of low-life criminal cocksuckers you could ever want to run into. A fucking piece of shit businessman. And the proof of it, the proof of it is, they don't even trust each other. They don't trust one another. When a businessman sits down and negotiate a deal, the first thing he does is to automatically assume that the other guy is a complete lying prick who's trying to fuck him out of his money. So he's got to do everything he can to fuck the other guy a little bit faster and a little bit harder. And he's got to do it with a big smile on his face. You know that big bullshit businessman smile? And if you're a customer, whoa! That's when you get the really big smile. Customer always gets that really big smile as the businessman carefully positions himself directly behind the customer and unzips his pants and proceeds to service the account. I'm servicing this account. This customer needs service. Now you know what they mean. Now you know what they mean when they say, we specialize in customer service. Whoever coined the phrase, let the buyer beware, was probably bleeding from the asshole. But that's business. That's business.